The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Friday, August 1st, 1969, three letters were received, one at the Vallejo Times-Herald, one to the San Francisco Chronicle, and one to the San Francisco Examiner. The nearly identical letters took credit for the shootings at Lake Herman Road and Blue Rock Springs. Each letter also included one-third of what is referred to as the Zodiac 408 cipher. It is called this because the author used 408 different symbols in the cryptogram, which the killer claimed that when solved, you'll have my name. So the cryptogram is to contain his identity. The author demanded that the letters and the cipher be printed on each paper's front page. Let's go through each and give a good description of everything that was received. First, the Vallejo Times. The envelope to the Vallejo Times is addressed to Vallejo Times Herald, Vallejo Calif, as to say California, C-A-L-I-F. Please rush to editor with four stamps in the upper right corner of the envelope, so way too much postage. The back of the envelope says, please rush to editor. The envelope to the San Francisco Examiner is addressed to S period F period examiner, San Fran period Calif. Please rush to editor with two postage stamps in the upper right corner of the envelope. The back of the envelope again says, please rush to editor. The envelope to the San Francisco Chronicle is addressed to S period F period Chronicle, San Fran period Calif. Please rush to editor again with two stamps in the upper right corner of the envelope. And again, the back of the envelope says, please rush to editor. All three envelopes are postmarked from San Francisco and dated as mailed on July 31st, 1969, the day before they're received. So when we talk about where Zodiac lived and what murders he might be, quote, local to, we know one simple fact, and that is on Thursday, July 31st, 1969, the Zodiac was in San Francisco. Right. 
Now, for the letters, all three letters say basically the same thing with subtle differences throughout each. I even went to the exercise of sitting down and examining all three and comparing them so that I could write down every subtle difference between the three. They are not identical letters, but they are basically delivering the same identical message. But real quick, they're all three handwritten. They're all three handwritten and the exercise that I did to find the subtle differences between the three was Pilates. It does not work well for our audio presentation of this case. It would be something that would be interesting to visually show to everyone. Drop your pants. There we go. The letters read, Dear Editor, this is the murder of the two teenagers last Christmas. Christmas spelled with M-A-S-S at Lake Herman and the girl on the 4th of July near the golf course in Vallejo. To prove that I killed them, Mm -hmm. I shall state some facts which only I and the police know. Christmas, again spelled M-A-S-S, brand of ammo, Super X. Ten shots were fired. The boy was on his back with his feet to the car. The girl was on her right side, feet to the west. And real quickly... There's no way he would know this as far as this wasn't printed somewhere where any layman would know this information. So from what I could find based off of the newspapers and and their versions of the story of the attacks prior to this. Right. That's why I purposely went through the fact that they were saying in the first attack that each victim was shot three times. We know that's not the truth. The female victim was shot five times, Mm -hmm. and that would have been holdback information. They did not want anyone to know the number of shots fired, even though the police themselves did know that. They said each victim shot three times. They said something like four shell casings were found near the vehicle. One thing that he is telling us here that only the police would know, one is 10 shots were fired. And two, he's naming the brand of ammo that was used to shoot the two teenagers. Right. He goes on to say, 4th July, girl was wearing patterned slacks. The boy was also shot in the knee. Brand name of ammo was Western. So again, the name of the ammo would not be known. And from what I could find, too, the the statement of the boy was also shot in the knee, this does not seem to have been general knowledge at the time. Then he writes over on the page to make sure that you do not fail to flip it over because he's wrote some more on the back. Here is part of a cipher. The other two parts of this cipher are being mailed to the editors of the Vallejo Times and San Francisco Examiner. Now, you're going to change those titles depending on which of the three letters you're reading. Mm -hmm. I want you to print this cipher on the front page of your paper. In this cipher is my identity. If you do not print this cipher, by the afternoon of Fry, F-R-Y, 1st of August 69, now for August he just put AUG, A-U-G, I will go on a kill rampage Fry night. I will cruise, and he misspells cruise, around all weekend killing lone people in the night, then move on to kill again until I end up with a dozen people over the weekend. So as he stated in each letter, it contained one third piece of this cipher. 
The Chronicle published its third of the cryptogram on page four of the next day's edition. Well, again, he's telling them, post this on the front page. And again, I'll bring up the Zodiac movie, and I know it's a dramatization, but it's the idea is that these newspapers then had to contemplate that we don't want blood on our hands, but at the same time, we don't want to meet all the demands of a serial killer. Yes, and so the cryptogram was printed on the fourth page of the Chronicle, and what's interesting here is the article was printed alongside, uh, sorry, there was an article that was printed alongside the code that quoted Vallejo Police Chief Jack stilts as saying quote we're not satisfied that the letter was written by the murderer and requested that the writer send a second letter with more facts to prove his identity i think that was a way to bait him well and what's interesting too captain is that the his demands were not carried out as he instructed right and the threatened murders did not happen he you know nobody drove around shooting people until they killed a dozen people that weekend but eventually all three parts were published right just not on the front page but look when you think of all the cases that we covered this blows my mind the level of sophistication yeah okay he spells some words wrong uh and i think you know I think the spelling Christmas like that is probably some just stupid joke he's trying to make, just like the flip over, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, it's just there's this level of sophistication of we're going to send this to three papers because now I get to see the reaction of three companies and their heads and what they're going to do, whether they print it on the first page or the fourth page. And then... There's different readers for every paper. So now I'm going to hear and feel the reactions of when I'm going through my daily life, not as the Zodiac, right? Mm -hmm. Just as as a regular dude. And I'm going to hear the, the rumblings about my work, about what I'm creating. It's, uh, I, I can't think of another, a crime off the top of my head of, of something that ballsy. Well, if the police chief from Vallejo was trying to, in fact, bait the killer or at least the author of that letter, well, they took the bait because on August 7th, 1969, another letter was received. This was a three-page handwritten letter, and it was received by the San Francisco Examiner with the salutation, Dear Editor, This is the Zodiac speaking. Okay, so now this monster has officially given himself a name. This will be the first time the killer had used this name for identification. Right. The letter was a response to Chief Stiltz's request for more details that would prove he had killed Faraday, Jensen, and Farron. This letter says, Dear Editor, this is the Zodiac speaking. In answer to your asking for more details about the good times I have had in Vallejo, I shall be very happy to supply even more material. By the way, are the police having a good time with the code? If not, tell them to cheer up. When they do crack it, they will have me. On the 4th of July, I did not open the car door. The window was rolled down already. 
The boy was originally sitting in the front seat when I began firing. When I fired the first shot at his head, he leaped backwards at the same time, thus spoiling my aim. He ended up on the back seat, then the floor in the back thrashing out very violently with his legs. That's how I shot him in the knee. I did not leave the scene of the killing with squealing tires, racing engines as described in the Vallejo paper. I drove away quite slowly so as not to draw attention to my car. The man who told police that my car was brown was a Negro, about 40 to 45, rather shabbily dressed. I was in this phone booth having some fun with the Vallejo cop when he was walking by. When I hung the phone up, the damn thing began to ring, and that drew his attention to me plus my car. Last Christmas, again M-A-S-S. In that episode, the police were wondering how I could shoot and hit my victims in the dark. They did not openly state this, but implied this by saying it was a well-lit night and I could see silhouettes on the horizon. Bullshit. That area is surrounded by high hills plus trees. What I did was tape a small pencil flashlight to the barrel of my gun. If you notice, in the center of the beam of light, if you aim it at a wall or ceiling, you will see a black or dark spot in the center of the circle of the light about three to six inches across. When taped to a gun barrel, the bullet will strike in the center of the black dot in the light. All I had to do was spray them, as if it was a water hose. Mm -hmm. There was no need to use the gun sights. I was not happy to see that I did not get front page coverage. And then this is where he signs it with what we would later refer to as the Zodiac symbol, the circle with the cross in the center of it. And then he wrote no address. So let's think about this for a second. What does this tell us about our killer? Well, first, he seems to read all three papers and yeah. would appear to expect to have access to all three to double check their work on Friday night, or as he says, Friday night, because that's when he's going to start killing people if he doesn't see his work in the papers. Yeah, but again, we don't know how much time this guy has on his hands. He could make the time if it's that important to, to collect these uh, resources. Again, I don't have the notes in front of me like you do, but there's not a lot of misspelled words. This guy isn't uh, a Dennis Rader. He's not misspelling a bunch of words. And he's also explaining to you how he basically jimmied his gun to have light in the dark. I, I, I don't want to give this guy too much credit, but again, I think you're dealing with a somewhat of an intellectual yeah and i think that it's a strong possibility that the zodiac has some type of military background now talking about where he may live or what he has access to again i don't believe i i can't believe that he threw out this threat and didn't want to double check their work i really firmly believe he would have been in a position to have the ability to access all three newspapers that Friday night to see his work. That's what he, that's what he loves. Yeah. You wonder if he's a, some kind of driver or delivery man or. Well, what I find interesting is we know that on the day before he would have been in San Francisco because that's where the letters were mailed from. Right. All three. Yet 
of the newspapers, the Vallejo Times would be the smallest of the three papers. And I wonder how much availability at the time that Vallejo paper would have been in the bigger city of San Francisco. I could see being in Vallejo and being able to get the San Francisco papers. I just wonder, could one get the Vallejo paper in San Fran? The other thing that I want to point out here too, is we also know that he reads the San Francisco examiner. And that seems like a dumb statement, but I want to include that because we know that He reads the San Francisco Examiner specifically because he responded to Chief Stiltz's request for more details. That was only printed in one of the three papers. But what's interesting, for whatever reason, he's responding to something he read in the San Francisco Examiner, but he sends those additional details to the other paper, to the San Francisco Chronicle. Right. So it's it's weird. It's uh, why why the preference of having it printed in the San Francisco Chronicle when you respond to something that was in the Examiner? Or is it just another one of his weird little games? And here comes Captain Obvious for you. Again, a little bit of sophistication, a little bit of cat and mouse, a little bit of I I want to see how people react. But the intellectual part, the cipher, dividing up the cipher in three parts and i'm not great at cryptograms or anything like that so i'm not going to pretend to fully understand this but some things that i do know is one you're looking for words that have the common double consonant use that's that's one key indicator that you could quickly pick up on right as well as the the most common letter used in the english language is the letter e And he was sophisticated enough to know this, that he used, I believe it was seven different symbols for the letter E. So it, you know, you couldn't, one couldn't easily pick this up and figure out the letter E immediately just by looking at it. You know, you would, you would count up the number, you would count up the symbols that were used repeatedly. And the one that was repeated the most, you would say, well, that should be E right? and start from there. Well, he used seven different symbols, if not more for the letter E. Now, interestingly enough, on August 8th, so he's already responded to their request for more information to prove that he's the killer before the cipher is solved because it's solved on the 8th, and this was solved by Donald and Betty Harden of Salinas, California. They were the ones that cracked the Zodiac's 408 cipher. Are they mathematicians? They were, I believe teachers nerds um and i don't know if it was math or or what but um both of them had an interest in code cracking and it was kind of a hobby of theirs the the interesting thing too it seems like donald was a little more schooled in this ability but it was betty that kept the two of them at task like there were multiple times where he's like it's impossible just give up and she's like, no, we got it. we're going to stick with this. We'll be able to solve it. And so the husband and wife, yeah, behind every great man is an even better woman. A smarter woman. But what I like about it is I, I love the people that go, no, don't give up. We're almost there. Well, and we'll get into the decipherment here in a minute. But the cipher contained misspellings, as you said. And the killer seemed to be referencing the most dangerous game. Now, for those that don't know, the most dangerous game 
was also, it's a story that was also published as The Hounds of Zaroff. It's a short story by Richard Connell. After Decoded, the cipher reads as follows. I like killing people because it is so much fun. It is more fun than killing wild game in the forest because man is the most dangerous animal of all. Not true. That's mosquitoes. To kill something gives me the most thrilling experience. It is even better than getting your rocks off with a girl. The best part of it is that when I die, I will be reborn in paradise. Mm. The I have killed will become my slaves. I will not give you my name because you will try to slow down or stop my collecting of slaves for my afterlife. And then there are 18 letters, E-B-E-O-R-I-E-T-E-M-E-T-H-H-P-I-T-I. So the 408 symbol cipher, Next time, won't you sing with as me? the captain pointed out, includes several misspellings and grammar errors. Mm-hmm. Now, the meaning, if there, in fact, is any meaning at all, of the final 18 letters has never been determined. Okay, but how could they say that the couple cracked the code? Well, this is really interesting, and this, is, this like throws some psychology into it as well. Because the couple, they were saying, look, obviously this guy wants attention, or he wouldn't have bothered to write the letters in the first place. Right, I agree. So they said, you know, we went into this, after examining it for a while with the idea that someone so self-centered would likely begin the letter or the whole message with I, with the word I. Also, Betty, she suspected that the word kill would obviously appear in the message at some point. Right. So That's a good call. Yeah, and she said that she took it as far as to suggest that the message might even begin with a phrase, something to the effect of, I like killing. So if you use that and then apply it and say, all right, well, we, we think that maybe it will start with the word I and that we will see the word kill at some point in there. You're looking for the double consonants, the two L's and kill, mm-hmm. two symbols the same next to each other to be used. Or you, you apply that uh, I like killing as a possible first phrase and then work it out through there. I think we talked a little bit about this off record, but the type of killing that he's doing, yes, I mean, by having two individuals, it seems like it. there's more cause for possibly a mistake for one of them to get free and to live and then become a eyewitness, but it's one of the less risky crimes. He's uh, he's preying on people in in areas that they, that they know they're going to be vulnerable and they're going to be alone, and he can take advantage of that. Yeah, yeah. It's again, it's tricky to completely. When we're talking about decoding, it's 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 difficult to decipher how he's coming up with his victims. But one thing that seems to be going on in this situation is that killing might not be the number one objective here. No. It almost feels like the the uh, reaction, the suspense of him killing again is what really, truly excites him. And that's where I go back to the idea of the threat of, oh, I'll drive around. If you don't print print this on your front pages like I asked you to, 
I'm going to drive around all weekend shooting people until I end up with a dozen dead over the weekend. Mm -hmm. Well, he didn't do that. We know he didn't do that. And so you go, well, well, why didn't he do that? Because he got just as much enjoyment out of seeing the reaction, the panic, the people working to try to, to solve the cipher and the reaction that it was putting out there for that weekend. He achieved enough excitement over that, that he didn't have to go out and actually shoot and kill anybody. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's because the, the excitement's actually higher because I would actually think that you have more chances of getting caught. They're asking for the letter. So they know it's coming. So how much information can they find out about where that letter is coming from? But that's what baffles me a little bit is their demand is a higher risk that he could get caught than him him going on to kill other people. Yes, and that's why it's a good kind of proactive technique to try to bait the author into sending something again. Because, look, if you can't shake the bushes and get the killer to come out, then your second goal is, well, let's shake the bushes and maybe the author comes out and it turns out that they weren't the killer. And Yeah, and if you can shake the bushes well enough, then you're a master baiter. But what happens is they, when they bait the author, they end up getting more confirmation that, yes, the author is, in fact, the person that killed all three of those victims. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. 
It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need to pack a lunch and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, welcome back, you true crime addicts. Cheers, mates. Cheers. All right, Captain, we have another attack, so brace yourself. This time, the Zodiac Killer will strike in broad daylight. The date is Saturday, September 27th, 1969. The location is Lake Berryessa. 
Lake Berryessa is the largest lake in Napa County, Florida, located in the Vaca Mountains. To give a general location to the listeners in relationship to the previous attacks, Lake Berryessa is located about 36 miles north of Vallejo. Mm-hmm. So quite a, quite a good distance. Considerable distance, considering the first two attacks were within about two miles of each other. In the evening hours, Pacific Union College students, this is 20-year-old Brian Hartnell and 22-year-old Cecilia Shepard, are picnicking at Lake Berryessa on a small island connected by a sand spit to Twin Oak Ridge. A man approached them. Now, as he got closer, they could clearly see that the man was wearing a disguise and holding a handgun. Mm-hmm. The disguise, or as I would call it, the Zodiac's costume, is described as a hooded mask with a symbol sewn onto the chest. The mask resembles a paper grocery bag in shape, flat on top with the corners sticking out. It was black with slits cut in it for the eyes and mouth. Over the eye holes, there were clip-on sunglasses. The mask draped down over the chest and back of the man. The symbol sewn onto the chest portion of the mask is a circle with a cross in it. The now familiar crosshairs looking symbol that the Zodiac uses as his logo, so to speak. Yeah. So now we have the guy gives himself a name, the Zodiac, a very ominous name, the Zodiac. And now he's wearing this costume and he's given himself a logo as well. We have a killer that's really kind of coming to life as almost like a super villain from a comic book. Yeah, but hearing that his mask is similar to like a grocery sack, it's that's a little disappointing. Hey, look at me. I'm Captain Sackhead. Give me some candy. Well, let's get into that after we go through what happened on that day. The hood that we're talking about came down over a dark colored windbreaker. The windbreaker was worn over top of what has been called a rusty black shirt. I don't know exactly what that means. My guess is anybody that's owned, you know, you wear a black shirt a whole bunch of times, it can can get faded, but sometimes it almost takes on this rusty appearance. Yeah. So he's wearing black gloves as well. He's wearing baggy pleated pants tucked into boots. He has on a belt with a wooden holder attached to the belt, and the holder is for a long knife. Now... The knife resembles a bayonet with a wooden handle. He had some lengths of rope stuffed inside his belt. I've seen several sources state that these were very likely cut clothesline, probably cut into 18 inch or two feet long pieces. Given the time period and other cases we have reviewed, cut clothesline makes good sense. The attacker was five feet, 10 inches to six foot, two inches tall. The hood is often described as a black executioner's type hood. So given that description and the general shape of this hood, I would believe this may make his exact height a little more difficult to determine. And that's why I think he may have chose that oddly shaped grocery bag type shape for the hood. Right. Plus he has it cut in a way that it's going to drape down the front of him and the back of him. It just really makes his exact height very difficult to determine. 
Yeah, and also doesn't hug the features of his face. Correct. He's described as... Doesn't hug the face. Doesn't hug my face. He's described as possibly 225 to 250 pounds, so a big boy. Stocky in build. Again, given the fact that he was clearly very overdressed with unnecessary layers of clothing and baggy pants, he may appear to be heavier than what he actually is. And I know this is a point of contention in the Delphi case with the bridge guy. A glimpse into the space. This is very interesting. A glimpse into the space behind those clip-on sunglasses right. by our one of our victims revealed brown hair. And what he said, a glimmer, suggesting that maybe the attacker is wearing glasses underneath the hood. Mm. His voice, it is said, sounded like he was in his 20s. Brian Hartnell believed that the gun that the man had was a 45. Now, the way that a 45 looks traditionally is very consistent with what some in law enforcement say was the likely used in at least one of the earlier attacks, that that Browning high-powered uh, handgun that we spoke of. Okay, so again, let's, let's take a step back for a second because we have a guy that now we think he has access to multiple guns. He has access to multiple vehicles. He is now sending letters, not just calling and taking responsibility, but sending letters, taunting different publications, different entities, if you will. And then this one seems a little more brash because it's in the daylight. He's he's wearing a costume, so he's going to stick out like a sore thumb or a sore loser. It's also on a remote part, like you said, almost an island. So it seems like, again, setting himself up in more of a dangerous scenario to get caught. Yes, yes, and maybe no. And I have a lot of thoughts on that, why he's kind of changing what he's doing. I think he's, in a way, evolving and adapting to to the battlefield, if you will. I actually believe that this guy is playing a game and he's not informed the rest of us that this game is going on. Right. And it is a, a type of game that he's playing and he doesn't he's chosen not to tell us the rules of this game, but his objective is to kill, terrorize, put the fear of the community into the people in the community and not get caught for it. And I think what you see here is, too, you mentioned access to multiple weapons or now we're potentially seeing different guns used and a bayonet-type knife. This guy, his makeup, his profile very much would indicate this guy has to be kind of a weapons enthusiast of some sort. Mm -hmm. He's not somebody that just purchased one gun or, or his daddy died and gave him a gun. No, this is a guy that that is actively collecting, using, practicing with different guns and weapons. So much so that he explains to them, "Look, you made it sound like, oh, I could I was just shooting at the silhouettes as they ran from me." No, that's bullshit. I purposely outfitted my weapon so that I could hunt in the night and make it easy on me. Right. It's dark. I don't want to use my sights. It's almost nearly impossible, if not impossible, to use them in the pitch black. So I taped a pencil flashlight to the barrel of my gun. Anybody that's ever aimed that at a wall or ceiling knows that you will see this. And the gun behaves and reacts 
in relationship to the flashlight in this manner. Yeah. This means this is all stuff this dude has practiced and tried on his own. The only thing he was missing was an audience. And the audience, unfortunately, would be his future victims when he played this out again. Yeah, but I also think when he said, hey, look, here's my demands. Put these notes and the, the ciphers on the front page. And then they didn't. Instead of going with his original plan, they zigged. He zagged. He was killing people at night. Okay, now they're on to that. I'm going to show them I can kill a different way. I'm willing to kill it in the daylight. So now we don't have a killer that we're just worried when the sun, when the sun goes down. We have a killer that we need to be worried about all the time. Therein lies the terrorist aspect of this yes. killer. It's you're, you're only truly good at the terrorism game if people are afraid of you all of the time. And this is to suggest to the community, look, I don't just hunt at nighttime, baby. I do this whenever I feel like it. Mm -hmm. And until I am caught, you all should be very afraid. Continuing on with the description of the attack at Lake Berryessa, the hooded gunman demanded the couple's money and car keys, saying he wanted to drive to, to Mexico. Right. He said he escaped from a prison in Deer Lodge, Montana, where he had killed a prison guard. He said that he had no money and was driving a stolen car. Brian gave the attacker his money and keys to his Volkswagen Carmen Ghia. Then, using the pre-cut lengths of clothesline, he instructed Cecilia to tie up Brian. Then the hooded man tied up Cecilia, put her face down next to Brian. The killer then checked and tightened Brian's bindings. The couple seemed to believe the man's story. They thought they were simply being robbed. This is until he told them that he was going to stab them both. Right. Then he drew his knife and he stabbed them both repeatedly. He began by stabbing Brian first in the back, and then he moved on to Cecilia and did the same. But she rolled onto her back in, like, in, in the struggle and ended up being stabbed repeatedly on in the front as well. Brian said that he pretended to be dead. Now, after the attack, the attacker tossed the money and keys onto the couple's blanket and simply walked off. So he came up with this story, I'm here to take your money and your, your car, and then tossing them on the blanket indicates he didn't want their money, nor did he need their car. The killer then hiked 500 yards back to Knoxville Road. This is to Brian Hartnell's Volkswagen Carmen Ghia. Right. Before the killer left, using a black felt tip marker, he wrote a message on Brian Hartnell's car. He drew a cross circle symbol on Hartnell's car door and wrote beneath it Vallejo 12-20-68. 7-4-69, September 27, 69, 6.30, by knife. So the Zodiac symbol, followed by Vallejo, the location of the first two attacks, followed by the dates of those attacks, then the date of the current attack, September 27th, the Lake Berryessa. He even provided the time, 6.30, and the method for which he intended to kill the victims by knife again what did we do here i'm killing my victims with a gun at night 
Now I'm going to switch to killing my victims during the day with a knife. Yes, and what's interesting to me, Captain, I actually, I say that I believe that the killer is evolving. He's evolving for the purpose of his game. Again, his game is to terrorize, continue to terrorize, and not get caught. I mean, but that's your blanket statement, uh, is that it's... That's what my a, belief. It's, it's a game of terrorism, but there's no, like, there. you don't have deeper details that you... No, the Zodiac has not told me that I'm correct. So I'm just guessing Son of a here. bitch. I'm just guessing here, but I also believe that his main goal out of all of this is not to get caught. So if I apply that to these crimes, let's think about this for a second. The first, the first attack, the first 100% confirmed Zodiac attack took place just before Christmas 1968. He's successful in to the point of not only killing both victims, but there's no real witnesses. You know, the problem for him then becomes on July 4th, he does a very similar attack or what we can believe would be a very similar attack as right. the first one. However, he screwed up. He left before killing both victims. One of the guys survived to the point where he could offer a description of of the zodiac yeah it was a couple but the the male survived correct michael majot he survived and what does he provide police he provides them with a description of the shooter as well as a somewhat vague but a description of the vehicle mm -hmm. here's what i think is super interesting why is he changing i don't think it's so much so to terrorize and prove that he can kill in any method or any manner that he chooses I think it's all kind of convenient because he's learning what he did wrong. So he knows now that he's not perfect. He's had two attacks on four victims. One survives. He now knows that he's not perfect after his second attack doesn't go down the way he wanted it to. Right. So what is he taking from this? Well, they've already kind of, there's a description out there about my vehicle there's a description out there about me. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I'm going to attack now in a manner that does not have me pulling my vehicle up to their vehicle or up to the victims because if I accidentally leave one of them alive, his intent is to kill. Let's, mm -hmm. let's not be confused here. His intent is to kill everyone he attacks, but he knows that he's not perfect. So I do not want to have to put my vehicle where if one of these people manages to survive somehow, will have a description of my vehicle. Also, I'm going to wear a disguise because if in fact one of them do survive, they can't give a description of me because I've worn this elaborate disguise. Right. The potato oh, sack. How about I take it a step further? One, a gun is pretty loud and I'm doing this at Lake Berryessa, which is in fact just basically a huge gigantic park. All that noise is going to cause a lot of people uh, uh, awareness of me, and they might be seeing me. So let's use something much more quiet, like a knife. Oh, mm -hmm. and that's even better, too, because then I'm not leaving behind bullets and casings that they can match it to my previous crimes or, to, or, or back to me because it's a firearm that I own. Yeah, and I also wonder if he changed the way in which he's attacking victims not just to throw off law enforcement or to like show people, hey, look, I, I can kill people however I want. 
and and that will strike fear into the community but in the in that moment you have to stab that individual more times than you'd have to shoot them and you'd have to be at a closer range so do you get more of whatever he's getting off on he's getting off on chaos and rage and their fear and how they're reacting to him you think i would think that attack with a knife would be more intimate yes he's certainly becoming more violent and whether that's because he aspires to become more violent or if it's through necessity of changing his mo right the other thing with the in broad daylight see i feel like the zodiac would want all of us to go oh wow i mean he's so he he's so confident that he's out there yeah. killing in broad daylight and now he's hands-on and and but he's wearing a, a potato sack i think that he would enjoy and would want us to think that where i think that he's actually fairly inadequate where i think that he does not have a whole lot of confidence even though he tries to tell us that he does i think that he has made these moves and these maneuvers to change what he's doing because he is afraid that he's going to get caught, that he does know that he has made mistakes. I think if it were up to him, he would have simply kept doing what he did in the first attack and been successful all along. But because he was learning that he's not perfect, he's deciding that he has to change. Well, I was talking to a, a seasoned detective, retired, and he just said, hey, well, what's your next case? And I said, uh, Zodiac. And he goes, you know this was this was a real detective he 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 didn't read a lot about uh true crime stories or other cases going on he worked his cases he's like how did he kill his victims again uh wasn't he lover lover's lane shooter or something i said uh yeah yeah lover L- lover lane and he and he, and he basically was saying coward and so we also don't know what people were saying around the Zodiac when he's in his normal life. He could have just had a buddy that he was like, man, that Zodiac, man, he's going around killing people. And and the guy went, oh, what a wuss, you know? Guy pulls up on unsuspected victims in the middle of the night with a gun. What kind of, what kind of fair fight is that? You know what I mean? Well, it never is with these guys, and that's why, in fact, they are all cowards at at the at the core of it. At the yeah. core of of their being, they're all. I mean, he's ambushing teenagers, unarmed people. It's not a it's it's not a fair fight, and he knows that going into it. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Is what I think is interesting is how much of the decision is he making based off this game he's playing or this uh, zigging zag game that he's playing with law enforcement or it could be simply he you know he's talking to people about the crime in his regular life and they make some observations and then he goes well i gotta change it up because uh zodiac's not impressing people enough you know in this killing in broad daylight i don't think that it shows that his confidence is growing i think it's just out of necessity he's killing at basically what is a big giant park right so when do parks close when the sun goes down. So if you want to drive there looking for a victim, your likelihood of finding a victim after sundown is less likely. 
So he, I again, I think because of he him choosing this area, he's kind of forced into attacking during broad daylight. Mm-hmm. Now, Captain, it looks like our two victims they were able to crawl some distance from the scene. Their screams and cries for help were in fact heard by a man who was with his son. They were on a fishing trip uh, in the area that day. The man contacted the park rangers. Now, Cecilia was conscious when law enforcement officers arrived. Right. This was Napa County Sheriff's Office that arrived on scene. But she very quickly slipped into a coma during the transportation to the hospital and never regained consciousness. She died two days later from her injuries. Brian Hartnell, the the male victim, survived and was able to provide law enforcement with the details of the attack and the attacker, the details that we just went through. Right. At 7.40 p.m., by the killer's own words, this would be a little more than one hour after the attack, a call came in to the Napa County Police Department. On the call, the unidentified male caller sounded to be maybe early 20s, according to the person taking the call, said he wanted to report a double murder. And before he hung up, he said he was the perpetrator of those murders. Not just reporting the murders, but I'm the guy that did it. The call was from a payphone at a Napa car wash on Main Street in Napa. At the car wash? The phone was found still off the hook minutes later by a radio reporter. This payphone is located only blocks away from the Napa Sheriff's Office. This is 27 miles, though, from the crime scene. Again, weird that this guy, okay, he's going to carry out these attacks. And again, by his own words, he thinks he was successful. He's calling in a double murder. And fortunately, Brian Hartnell survived. Yeah. But an, an hour to an hour and 10 minutes uh, roughly, and then this location, probably a 30-minute drive would be my guess. I don't find too much of a problem with the missing time here, and that's because we know several facts about this crime. One, the killer walked a considerable distance from the parking area to where he attacked both of the victims and then walked, then had to walk back. He wrote on the vehicle and then he left the area. The detectives were able to lift a still wet palm print from the telephone used by the killer, but it looks like they were never able to match it to any one suspect at the crime scene. Captain, there were tire tracks found near Brian's car. So someone parked behind Brian's car It is believed that this is the vehicle of the killer, and here's why. They said that the front of this car that that left tracks, they could tell by the tracks that the front of this car seemed to have tires that were not only worn, but they were actually two different sizes. Mm. Okay, so we believe this to be the killer's vehicle because footprints led to the murder scene and then back again to that parking area that went right up to the door of Brian's Carmen Gia. The shoe size was 10 and a half. The subject was estimated to weigh at least 220 pounds. So this fits with Brian's description as well. Right. The prints were from a wing walker type of boot. This type of boot was produced 
under government contract and distributed on the West Coast to Navy and Air Force. Mm -hmm. Some people at the lake that day provided descriptions of a man that they said seemed to be suspicious. This unidentified male was in a light blue or silver Chevy with California tags, smoking cigarettes. He was six foot tall or more, 200 to 230 pounds, mid-20s to mid-30s, with straight dark hair, side part, clean cut. They have him wearing a black sweatshirt with sleeves, long sleeves, I'm sorry, dark blue slacks, and a T-shirt was visible hanging out of the pants uh, in the back. And what was hanging out in his front? <laughs> and here's another unidentified male description. Maybe the same person, maybe not. We don't know. This person was described as five foot ten, stocky, wearing a dark long sleeve shirt with some red on it and dark pants. Now, longtime listeners of this show will know from our John Douglas Mind Hunter episodes. As he said, the FBI did not investigate the Zodiac crimes at the time, but did so later. Douglas, however, suggests that maybe the killer at this attack provided us a clue to his identity. Specifically, the I escaped from a prison in Deer Lodge, Montana. And Douglas, who even lived in Montana at some point in his life, says that Deer Lodge, Montana is not just the kind of place that you just pick at random or pull it out of thin air. Mm -hmm. He believes that there's a likelihood that this, the attacker, the killer, the Zodiac has some connection to that area. Now he did say that it was specifically looked at. There was not a recent escape from a prison there. There was not a recent murder of a prison guard there. That part was made up, but Douglas firmly believes that this deer lodge, Montana is real is is more truth than fiction mm. so i always just thought it was a, a ruse just to throw him off the set douglas actually suggested using some proactive techniques and he said that he would use this deer lodge montana idea in maybe snuffing out the snuffleupagus sniffing out the killer mm -hmm. he says what he would have done if he would have been active on the case at the time would be to cooperate with an investigative reporter in the Deer Lodge, Montana area right. and have them run some kind of story about the Zodiac and that they're seeking information from some different people and whatnot. He really felt that if you could tie together Vallejo, California, Lake Berryessa, California, and Deer Lodge, Montana, there's not going to be a great portion of the population that have lived in both places. Mm-hmm. And that would really shrink down your suspect pool. Now, the description that we gave of the suspicious man, this may not be the Zodiac at all, may not be the killer at all. This is just somebody that was spotted at Lake Berryessa that day by two different groups of people. Maybe the same man, maybe not. But they said they all thought this guy to be suspicious. You're asked, have you seen anything unusual or anything suspicious in nature? You report that to police. And we went through the description of this male or males. This was put out to the public. And in a very smart move, the police did not refer to this man as a suspect. Simply, they said this is someone that was at Lake Berryessa on the day of the murders and is somebody that police would like to speak with. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing they did in Delphi with 
bridge guy. But I wonder if, you know, if he was in this prison, does that mean that he's catchable? Well, I don't necessarily think that Douglas thinks that the man served time in prison. Mm. I think he's just pointing out that not everyone across this big country would even know that that, that Deer Lodge, Montana exists. Right. And that there is a prison in the area. And so he's just saying that this simply means that somebody had some kind of knowledge of that Deer Lodge, Montana area. And it's not, wouldn't be commonplace for anyone to have that information. All right. So again, after this one, he wants that recognition. We don't see this all the time with serial killers where they want law enforcement to know, Hey guys, I'm out here and I'm not stopping. Most of the time, the killers want to hide that aspect. But he he places a call again. And the interesting thing here is on that call from the reports that I've seen, it doesn't necessarily say that he's taking responsibility for all of the Zodiac murders. He's simply saying that he's reporting a double murder at Lake Berryessa and I'm the guy that killed the two. Well, he knows that he can keep his message, his phone call short and sweet. He doesn't have to go into the Vallejo crimes. Right. Because he knows that when law enforcement arrive on the scene, they're going to find Brian Hartnell's vehicle. And on that car door, he wrote Vallejo and the two dates of the attack. Then he wrote today's date and the time by knife. He knows the shock value of that is going to be supreme when the when law enforcement show up on the scene and see that on the car door, they will immediately know right. that he's done all three. And it's fascinating because, as you pointed out, this is an individual that he wants some kind of credit for these murders, and he wants law enforcement to know that he's a serial killer. And you, you, all, you also wonder, during this time frame, how many calls that they're getting that are hoaxes. Yeah. And the scary thing, too, that I've always considered is, look, if this kind of thing was going on on a public level, this is all very public. We have letters going to the newspapers being printed out so anybody can read them. Yes. The the scary thing I've always thought about in regards to the Zodiac Killer case is if if you had somebody that you wanted to take out, that you wanted to kill at this time, well... What better way to go and kill that person and maybe the Zodiac takes credit for it or maybe the public thinks that the Zodiac did it. For everything true crime, check us out at truecrimegarage.com and check out our bonus show called Off the Record. It's only on Stitcher Premium. And join us back here in the garage tomorrow. Until then, be good, be kind, and don't litter.
They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow.